0: so I don't, I don't know about you all but um it would seem very clear at, the, at this point in my life that uh, age aging has the effect of just like every year or more and more i'm like that doesn't really feel feel like christmas this year uh, but being together with you all in this space doing christmas as um root and branch as a community is always like a nice slap in the face you know to get over this like lack of vibes or whatever it might be um, and actually embrace the reason for the season as they say right um, I love that we do this every year uh, this little like huddling together pre- pre-actual pre Christmas before you know most of us kind of go off our separate ways and do whatever it is we all do steal ourselves for the journey ahead um, may we may we strengthen one another for family and whatever else you all might have going on. I wanna apologize in advance um, that today's reflection is going to uh, center more heavily on um, my reflections as a person knocking right at the door of having their first child. Um, If you allow me that today, I promise I won't talk about it for at least a month and a half. <laughs> I'll put a moratorium on Parent Talk. Um, but it would seem I just can't help myself this year because I've never been in this position to like look at this story, this story that I've known since I can remember, um, much as these little kids maybe will. We'll see. <laughs> the story I've known since I can remember, um, to, I'm looking at it with this like very new perspective, this like, perspective of, Birth and babies and pregnancy in a very new way. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, you don't. Okay, never mind. It's just me. <laughs> I think for the most part, um, until you have a kid, in any depiction of like a family you might see in the Bible or in a movie or in a book or something, uh, generally our empathy will run towards the children of that story, and we can be old as hell, but. We continue to see ourselves as children in the story. And to flip things around to where we become the parents is a very strange thing. With that said, let's take a look at our reading for today. Again, one that might be very familiar. I've uh, I'm in the way, let's let me I've tried to include some some cool artwork with it this this Christmas. So in those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken with Quirinus, was well, while Quirinus was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. And this is something with the picture of this journey that they are taking to get the registration. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of david he went to be registered with mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child while they were there the time came for her to deliver her child and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn these are um two images of nativity by mark chagall and if you don't know mark chagall he's he he has those big stained glass windows at the art institute those big blue ones he also has a beautiful piece i think in the bank of america outside the bank of america building um but he drew some christian imagery for whatever reason and uh i particularly like this one because it's like it's sort of obscure there but there is a mother with child and also on the other side the cross right this sort of whole image of this life that is to come and this one's just kind of beautiful all right In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I foresee I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace be among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. And this is uh, a depiction of that, which wouldn't be surprising that the shepherds would be terrified um, by William Blake. He's a scary poet. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child laying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen, they heard and seen, as it had been told to them. And finally, a... Uh, An image here by uh, Kim Ki-jung, who's depicted the Holy Family as Koreans. Because we are holy. Holy people. All right. Um, So, as I mentioned, um, with my own life, every year we sort of change and are different in big and small ways. Um, Maybe uh, today's story that you have heard so much is striking you a little different. Maybe it's bringing to you something new or there's a character that you hadn't really noticed or identified with before, but for whatever reason, this year is is calling your name. Um, Is there anything like that for anyone that's sort of uh, interestingly new in their noticing? You know, in terms of what I've mentioned is just like viewing this story through this parent's eye view. I wrote about that a bit in the email for this week, and, um, you know, we have this like pretty exceptional uh, open rate, which I can see on... Mailchimp, and yet it seems that everyone who opens it doesn't go to the church. Uh, <laughs> Not if you read. So I'm going to go ahead and actually just read it for you. Apologies for, for quoting myself, but I didn't want to put the work in to rephrase this. So this is what I wrote. They will show you who they are. This is what my therapist said to me as I waxed anxious about what I would need to do to raise a child into a non horrible human being. There's something immensely liberating and terrifying about that idea. We are never as consequential as we believe, nor are we as comfortable with that idea when it actually confronts us. The God as parent metaphor is what most of us grew up with, or for, and for good reason. Never mind Freud, at the very least, we would want God to know a little bit more about the world than we do. Christmas, however, is one occasion where we are asked to invert this metaphor, God as baby. And yes, we as the parents who received this child into the world. The impulse is always there to fret about how we should shape this God baby. Should we move to the suburbs so they have a yard to play in? But what happens when we allow the child to show us Mm -hmm. who they are? Now, I'm not someone who particularly ever wanted um, children. Um, It's not that I didn't want want them. I simply just, you know, you kind of have like an image of your life when you're younger, like I'm gonna be a baseball player or whatever. And some people are like, oh, I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to get married, and then they see themselves like raising a family and all that kind of stuff. I'd never had that. You know, I, I've shared with you before, I was in my con- conservative evangelical days. I certainly thought I would be married by 22. <laughs> but um, in that picture, I never saw you know, playing catch or someone calling me dad or anything like that. It just was just uh, devoid of childness um, in my mind. And so I was delighted when, you know my now-wife was like, well, "I don't want to have kids." And I was like, "Great. It's fantastic." And I was equally as um, stricken when she was like, "I do want to have kids." <laughs> I don't know what I actually felt. I, you know suddenly, this kind of picture of my life that, I've, that I have held steady for so long, you know, decades had to dr- dramatically shift, right? And I was very much not ready to widen the aperture of myself Um, you know low low birth rates are like a hot topic these days and for good reason it's it's kind of a big problem Uh, we've not set up this world to deal with a decline like this Um, in many ways we've set this all up to be like a big Ponzi scheme and we need people to keep buying in or else we're screwed Um, I don't want to spin off into like you know podcast land about low birth rates and what's the issue here but I'll just speak for myself And I would say a lot of people in my sort of millennial milieu, I think, if they're honest, feel this way. Any reluctance I have, had, have, still have, maybe, haven't had to um, having a kid wasn't because, like, you know, one thing that people mention a lot is, like, the apocalypse, like, climate change, all this stuff, right? The end of the world, to me, is actually, like, a good reason to have a child because what an amazing time to be, to exist just to witness the end of the world, right? They would have no FOMO of anything. It would, they, would, they would know the end of history truly, and I would, I would want that for them. I would be excited for them. Um, you know, <laughs> So I'm not really sure I believe people who say that those are reasons for them not having kids. I think for, again, for a lot of people, specifically sort of this my American generation, um, we just like fear responsibility, <laughs> you know? Um, In other words, we really want to continue to see ourselves as the kids in the story for as long as we freaking can. As I mentioned uh, in a sermon a few weeks ago, you know, when you bring a child into the world, you give them absolutely no say in the matter, right? They don't get to choose to enter the matrix. You're not showing them pills and they choose one. And thus, we bear this responsibility the ones who bring this child into the world to do our best to make sure that at the end of the day, they look at their life and all they've been thrust into with a sense of gratitude rather than feeling like they've just tossed onto this, like, roller coaster that they never consented to, right? And more so, you know, um, they, the the vague they, the people out there, you know, I've heard people say, (laughs) Parents are often like gods to their kids in their early age, right? They rely on you for every single thing, right? Of course, the basics to keep their bodies alive and and going, but also for love and acceptance, for knowledge, for meaning. You uh, watch almost every move they make, even when you're not there. Everyone nowadays has, like, cameras, and then they pull up the app, and they're like, look at my baby doing this thing, right? These children... In a modern times, they live in a surveillance state that would make most governments jealous. Um, you know, we try to teach them not to do things that would harm them. We discipline them so that they learn their lessons. We essentially give them like rules to live by, right? T- don't don't touch this. Touching fire is bad. Don't hit this kid, uh, other kid. Violence is is not good. Um, we weigh their wants against their needs, and then in a godlike way you make decisions about what they can and can't do. And I don't think all of this feels to parents like they're inhabiting the divine spirit, but I'm, it certainly looks that way in a, in a sense, right? Like it looks a lot like the kind of way God is often described to us, a description that a lot of us don't like, that we bristle at. Which makes it strange to imagine, as I'm asking you to do today, God as a baby a baby right like all babies vulnerable and in need and stranger still is the idea that we have something to do with raising this God loving this child teaching it things watching out for it which again is to say loving God teaching God things watching out for God and so on when I uh, came to my therapist with these anxieties um, this anxious sense of responsibility. She gave me very little advice about what to do, which is, of course, what I was hoping for. Um, you know, I was hoping she would say, like, here's how to like psychologically not damage them, and here's the best way to affirm them, but not so much that they're arrogant punks. And uh, here's how to discipline them so that they learn, but are not scarred for life. And I got none of that. Rather, she went on and on, much to my dismay about how I will know what to do if I watch them closely, if I pay attention. She talked about how much parenting is uh, like listening. Right? If you listen, this kid will show you what they need. If one is doing this right, um, the experience will be much as much about the parent learning from the child as the child does from the parent. You know, the message is clear, right? The best form of this child-parent relationship is not domination driven by like our own ego, our anxieties, our fears, um, you know, like that picture of God we, we bristle at but so often actually emulate. Rather, there is this like mutual learning about what love is, what caring actually looks like, about what is worth knowing in this world and what is meaningful out there. There's an old cliche, I, I you know, I feel like comes from bad romantic comedies where it's like, you can't love someone until you learn to love yourself, and that's bullshit, right? This is, <laughs> what I'm saying here is the opposite of that. A relationship like this is to learn together, and when you look at it this way, is it still so strange this idea of parenting God? I invite you to read it and take in this poem with me. It's called uh, On Children by Khalil Gibran. And as you read it, imagine you are the parent. And if you can, imagine with me that the child is God. And a woman who held a babe against her bosom said, speak to us of children. And he said, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself they come through you but not from you and though they are with you yet they belong not to you you may give them your love but not your thoughts for they have their own thoughts you may house their bodies but not their souls for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow which you cannot visit not even in your dreams you may strive to be like them but seek not to make them like you for life goes not backward, but tarries with yesterday, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bow, bow, bows, bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable. You know, Gibran, I think, captures so well this idea of, um, like, they will show you who they are. This child will show you who they are. And, and here is also such an apt description of God, you know, one that I haven't seen in a while. God will show you who God is if we can be parents who remember these words with all that I've said um, it might seem that I'm, I look at this Christmas story in 2023 and I'm like looking at Mary and Joseph and they're my identifying point but really I'm asking all of us to fix our eyes on this little baby right? we welcome the incarnation of of God into the world every Christmas but what is our responsibility to that child You know, most of the time that question arises. Again, we see ourselves as the kid in the narrative and God as this parent, you know, where God can often become this stern or angry, maybe even abusive, neglectful, uncommunicative, absentee parent. You know, this is a relationship that is Largely driven by a power dynamic that sort of hangs over us. But what might it free in us to flip that around? To see us as the responsible parents, the good parents. For us to allow God to show us who God is. As we go off on our Christmas journeys, um, you know, we'll also be entering into the new year it's like the season of anticipating and looking forward in the future. I want to challenge you all to take uh, this parenting journey with me. Metaphorically, absolutely, mostly is what I'm saying. Um, some of us literally, uh, a good number of us will join that club in the coming year. We we just heard an, a, even an, a new pregnancy. I don't know if they want to reveal themselves or not, but I'll let them do that if they want to. Uh, a new pregnancy that we just heard of, so another one. Um, I got a text from Yunte, who many of you know, half naked with his newborn child, literally this morning. Um, so literally a lot of, for a lot of people. But for most of us, uh, metaphorically, take this journey of parenting with me. I have a bit of a sense that a lot of us feel kind of stuck um, in our spiritual journeys, a little like we've been milling around in the same place. And while there are many things we can do to shake out of those doldrums, spiritual practices, you can take ayahuasca and do all that, um, we start really by recognizing that our old patterns of thought need to change. You know, there are seasons of life in which we are like, have faith like a child, be like a child, have faith like a child. And there are other seasons, as the Apostle Paul says, where we are asked to put away childish things. So I'm inviting you again this Christmas to hear this story, take it in, and come to see this child born as your own. Is your child. To you is born, the angel says, speaking to all the shepherds, but also to us. To you is born this child. May we be as parents, good parents, not shitty ones, (laughs) good parents, being open to all the places that this child will take us and all the things we will learn along the way. Amen.